All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today I am chatting with Mallory Day, who actually won't have that last name for too much longer because she recently got engaged, um, which is super exciting for her, I believe. And uh, Mallory was uh, a longtime client of NextGen. Uh, she's a gym owner, but she has a really unique story, which is why I want to have her here because her her story of her gym and what she does is uh, is very unique. I actually, Mallory, I can vividly remember the day that you were signing up for Academy. You had a call with Justin, I believe. And you told him all about what you were doing. And I don't want to spoil it. I'll let you kind of introduce how you got started. Uh, And he told us what you were doing. And I was out at the range, actually at work. I'd taken a quick break and I was out on the the shooting range. And he's telling me the story. And I'm just like, holy crud, this like, this is crazy what you have going on. So um, why don't you, you're going to do a much better job introducing yourself than I am. So why don't you tell our listeners who you are, uh, what your business is, and kind of why it's unique and how you got started. Yeah, well, thanks, Dan. Um, so I think what sets me apart is my business is all run completely out of my basement. So I reached out to NextGen because we've had just such a growth, and I'm in the small town of Eagle, Eagle Mountain, Utah. Um, started, I did gymnastics competitively for a long time, and I've coached on and off for like 10 years. And I moved out here and there's literally nothing out here. There's one dance studio um, when I got started and now it's grown a little bit. There's a few more things, but I was on Facebook. I was going to school for something completely different. Um, And someone posted on Facebook asking if their kid can learn a cartwheel, if anyone can teach their kid how to do a cartwheel. So I messaged back and said that I'd be happy to. And I had like over a hundred people message me within a week asking if I can teach their kids tricks. So I started just teaching tumbling at a park um, and it got about like 50 students within like the first month and then winter hit. So we had to move it inside. Um, My house at the time, you had to walk like through the kitchen and through the whole house to get down to the basement. And we just like kept growing and growing and it was like this teeny tiny space. So. I've like been searching for a long time on an actual location, but there's no buildings out here that you can even lease from. So we would have to build from the ground up. And I, I am not in a position to do that right now. So I built a new house with a custom basement um, and reached out to next gen, um, hoping that they can help with the growth. And they've been so awesome at helping and, since then, we now have over a hundred, over three hundred and fifty students in our studio. So, it's kind of exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting, and so I'm sure people are listening, and there were probably a couple mouths that dropped. Is like, so you started your business, you started in a park, and then you expanded to kids showing up and where most of us are like, you know, you got to have a front desk person and you got to have a greeting and all that stuff. People were walking essentially into your front door, right? Yeah. (laughs) So that's, that's crazy. Now I imagine that it was even more of a stressful situation of like, I got to keep my house clean because I don't want these kids walking through and making it look like I, you know, live in a, a messy home. 
Uh, yeah, no, that was hard. And I was the only one like coaching, running the business, everything on my own. And then, um, so I've been doing this for like three and a half years now. And I just moved to my new house like a year and a half ago. So I was in our little tiny house for a year and a half running the studio there. Um, and we had around 120 students at that point. Um, but I I worked every day except for I ended up hiring someone to coach two days a week. And on those days, I felt like I couldn't do anything in my house. Like I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't like the house had to be perfect. It was it was so hard. I felt like I never had a day off. But now when we moved, I built a separate entrance. So that's a way nicer. <laughs> so what is uh, what was the first size of basement? Like what space did you start with? Oh, um, I don't even know. I think it was like close to 300 square feet. It was so small. <laughs> okay. So 300 square feet, which is, that's pretty tiny. Yeah. Um, how many kiddos could you have at any given time down there for a class? Um, we capped our classes out at six students in a class. So okay. most of our classes were full um, and we had six in a class. Okay. And so when you say you had 150 kids, what, what kind of membership were they on? Were they coming once, twice, you know, like how was that working mm -hmm. to have 150 people funneling through a 300 square yeah. foot space? Most of our students just came once a week. And that's still what we normally do is they just sign up for one class. Our classes are 45 minutes long. Um, and they just come once a week. We have some people who come and take more than one class. And we also now offer different types of classes. So some people can take different types of classes now too. So. And I want to get into those different types of classes, but maybe <laughs> not just yet. Um, so you started with 300 square feet and a hundred and got up to 150 kids and that correct me if I'm wrong, that growth was relatively organic. Yeah, I've, before we moved over to this new location, I've never done any paid marketing. So all of that was just by word of mouth. Okay. And then you went from 100, and, 100 150 kids, started to get into this new space, growing and marketing, and now you're at over 350. Correct. Yeah. And, yes. and even with that, I've probably only done like three paid ads. So I do post on Facebook, but it's all still just organic reaches. Sure. And I mean, if you are, if you're a niche facility in an area where you, you kind of have a captive audience and there's not a lot of other things that you're competing against, if you have a good organic reach, that can be very, very effective. Um, do you do anything? So aside from you've done a few paid ads, do you do email engagement? Do you like send out emails to prospective clients? How do you, how do you get new people in the gym and then how do you keep engaging with them? Um, good question. So we actually just barely started active campaign. That's something that next gen taught me to do and I kind of put it off. Um, but I just been getting into it. There's a lot to learn and there's still a lot I think that I can do with it. Um, but we've been doing a little bit more of email marketing. Um, and then besides that, we just like try to engage with our current customers by like posting on Facebook. Um, sometimes we'll like send them a text or like an email saying like, oh, so-and-so did awesome or send them a picture or video of a new skill they got, which I think that just builds that rapport and helps them feel like this is family too. Absolutely. So you, is this your full-time job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
So you do this full time. How many staff do you have now? I have 10. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you went from 150 kiddos in your basement, 300 square feet to new house. How many square feet do you have now? Do you know? Oh, uh, I don't know. I think down in the studio, it's probably just under a thousand. Okay. So just under a thousand square feet still have 300. Now I have 350 kiddos, 10 mm-hmm. staff. I imagine in that thousand square feet, you're not, you don't have trampolines everywhere, you know, Australian bed, in-ground pits, tumble track wazoo, <laughs> right? You're, you're running somewhat minimalist in yeah. terms of equipment. Correct. Yeah. We have, we have some, like we have a little trampoline and a little set of bars and a rock wall, but most of it's just like folding mats. And then we have a flex floor. So. Okay. And what's the average age of your uh, clients? Um, That's hard. We really, we teach from ages two to adults. So okay. kind of reach everyone. I would say the the majority of kids who come are in between five to nine. Okay. Um, but yeah. And what's um, in terms of kind of levels of, of skills, what, what are the highest kind of skill levels that you teach? Um, the highest right now we're working on like layouts and like, like whips and pikes and stuff. We don't have anyone doing any twisting skills and we don't really have the ceiling space to be working twisting skills. Um, but luckily no one that we currently teach are working twisting skills. So it works out. Okay. Um, so you have this huge demographic of younger and kind of somewhat beginning level. I, I'm guessing here that the yeah. bulk of your clients are in that learning up to learning back handsprings and maybe perfecting back handsprings. That's probably what, like 75% of your clientele. Yeah, exactly. So, um, are those, what, what do you, what do you try and target or what do you see being the most interest? Is it, is it cheerleaders? Is it just parents who want activities for their kids? Like what is your, if you have, do you have like a client avatar of like what you think is the person you're generally reaching out to trying to connect with? Yeah, we're very rec program. Like we don't have any competitive anything. So the majority of our clients are people who are just looking for an outlet, a way for their kids to stay active and make friends and get out of the house and be doing something and learning something. So since there's not a lot out where we live, I feel like that's like our niche market and it works really well. Um, In the past year, there's been a lot more of places opening up. So it's been kind of fun to see that we can kind of tailor to those who are more interested in the sport itself versus rather than just doing anything in general. So it's been changing as our demographic has been changing, but I still think the majority is just people who want to get out and have fun and do something. Absolutely. So do you ever encounter um, challenges with your location in terms of people being like, you know, sending you that text? Like it's, I I got, I came to a house. Is this, am I in the right place? Yeah, definitely. Um, So before I built the house, I actually applied to rent a brand new building that they were building out here and I didn't get it, but another gymnastics facility got it. And I feel like that's 
been our only competitor really so far. Um, and when people see us, like we have better prices, we have really good loyalty with our current families. And so when people refer us, I think they expect us to be a full on building and gym. So probably once a week we get a phone call or a text or something saying like, oh, we're lost. And we're like, you're not lost. It's a house like just coming through the side entrance. And then once they come in, they're normally shocked, like at how it looks and that it doesn't really feel like you're in a basement. But mm -hmm. when they pull up, there's definitely like skepticism. So yeah, I can imagine that would be a challenge. Do you do you find that you ever get walk in clients? Like, do you have people who just find you on the Internet, walk in and are like, hey, we are interested in some classes? Um, no, I think that's only happened once ever. <laughs> so, yeah, but we do get a lot of like, like I get a lot of people who find me on Facebook and will just message mm -hmm. me personally. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different, I feel like. Um, but yeah, no one ever really just walks in and checks it out. Well, and I, I think that's one of the things that's so cool about your story is it is different, right? You, you don't have that luxury. You know, I hear gym owners talk all the time. Oh, I need to be on the freeway and I need to have big signage and I need to have these things that um, are somewhat like older schools of thought. You know, I need people need to be in front of people's eyeballs as they're driving to get people to walk in. And I think you've shown you can grow without people walking in your door and asking to take classes. Not that that's a bad thing to have people do it, but it's absolutely possible to not have that be your focus. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that probably the main thing that's helped is really feeling like our studio, like we have 300 and over 350 students. And obviously I don't teach all of them. That's why I have staff, but I still know every student. If someone walks in that door, I know their name. I know their parents' name. I know hopefully usually what class they're in um right and i think that it's that sense of like we're so personable with our families that it's easy to feel like it's worth it even if it's you don't have all the fun equipment or the large space that they're still getting that attention and they feel like it's like where they belong i, I love that i think that sense of building that belonging and especially in rec is a question that a lot of all-star gyms struggle with is their all-stars feel like they're a part of something. They feel like they belong, but how do they build that same feeling and pride in the gym or in your case, the studio without that same commitment of being a part of a team? Um, so you mentioned, you know, people's names and you kind of, you know, the kids like you're, you're able to do that recognition you mentioned like text messages. Do you guys do anything special in terms of any like events or anything that continues to build that community that's just outside the delivery of the product? Yeah, we do. We do normally like one event a month um, and that's open to anyone in the public. So sometimes that's how if people see like are heard about us, they can come in and check out the studio that way. And then normally they'll sign up. But majority of people who do sign up for our events are current customers. So actually we have an event tomorrow and it's sold out within two days of posting for it. So, so these yeah. are charged events. They're not free events. They're pay for events. Yeah. Normally well, like we'll do some free events and like community service projects and stuff, but normally it's like a charged themed event. What kind of events are they? 
Um, normally they're events that we've gotten from next gen. <laughs> so the one tomorrow is a frozen dance camp. It's just okay. two hours and yeah. And when you say that sold out, how many uh, participants are you going to have in that? Um, we cap out at 20, depending on the event, 15 to 20, just because our space is so limited. So I think okay. this event we capped out at 20. And do you mind me asking what your, your ticket price is to participate in that event? Yeah, it's $20. Okay. So a quick and easy profit margin right there. I imagine your staff member, you probably pay, or two, you probably pay like $30, $40 each for the two hours. Yeah, so yeah, around there. And we've so. done this event before, so it's kind of nice because we already have most of the supplies, so we didn't really spend much on getting it ready. Right. Th yeah, those events can be really nice in terms of, I think people oftentimes make events too complicated in terms of, or they think they're going to be too hard, where you can recycle the same event year over year, and maybe you, you eventually... 10 years from now might not do a frozen dance camp because frozen <laughs> might not be the thing anymore. Um, but you can reuse these. And if you, even if you're not using like the next gen uh, done for you events, but you are creating your own, if you really document and systemize while you're doing it, it's a plug and play. Hey, Oh, it's next year. We're going to do the same event, same time frame, And you just, yeah. like you said, you have all the equipment and re stuff ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been so easy. And I'm very hands on, like, I have a very hard time delegating. And that's something I'm working on. But doing these little events, like, it's so easy to just give them stuff that we've used before. And then I don't have to be down there. I don't have to get things ready. Like I can just hand it to a staff member and they can run it completely without me. You mean like getting to take a Saturday off? <laughs> yeah, shocking, huh? <laughs> what? That's crazy. I'm sure your fiance hates that. He's like, just wants you in the in the studio more working more <laughs> yeah that's like he's yeah <laughs> no he's been so supportive but yeah he's definitely like wants me to get to a point where i can delegate more and be more with him how do you balance that i, I wasn't even planning to go this direction how do you balance that <laughs> being a young you're, you're relatively young business owner um how do you balance running your studio as someone who maybe struggles with delegation a little bit and is a little more hands-on, um, but someone who is starting a new partnership in the rest of your life. Like what is your work-life balance? How do you make that work? And how did you convince him to sign on for this craziness to have a studio in your guys's home? <laughs> Good question. And I don't know how well I'm actually doing at that. Um, the nice thing is he's starting a business too. So he's been really busy with work that when I'm busy, I don't feel as guilty because we both know, like we have things that we need to prioritize. And so we're right. both understanding. Um, but I do think like it's taken some practice and like, I do have some staff members, well, like most, I, all of my team, I trust so much and they do a great job, but the ones who have been with me the longest, I feel like really have stepped up when we've moved and grown that I can step away and I know that if an emergency happens um, that they're there and they know how I would react in it and what our policies are. So that helps me feel like I don't always have to be down there and helping. And So how often do you work in the gym 
or in the studio? Um, so I currently teach 22 classes my own of my own classes. Wow. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously, like, I do a lot of, like, the back-end business stuff, so. 22 classes a week? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, 18 hours-ish? I'm sure that 15 minutes that's left over after the 45 is spent putting away mats, cleaning up, getting ready, greeting kids and for the next class and stuff like that, right? Yep, exactly. So it's really more like 22 hours working in the business. So you're probably spending at least another 20 working on the business right. outside yeah. all those other tasks. Wow. So you're busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we're actually moving. So we've had such a growth and we have a, like a wait list and everything currently. Um, so I'm actually building a building out here and it will be open in the summer. So we're going to be running classes out of both locations when we move just because the demand is so high. So oh, on, wow. top of, on top of running classes and, and planning a wedding and everything, I'm also trying to prepare for moving and setting up that new location. Okay, so that's something I think is is really cool. I think I kind of knew this, but I don't know that I'd gathered that you were keeping both open. So you, in the last three years, went from running a class with like 50 kids total, a couple classes in the park, to in your basement, with a, and then got to 150 kids, and then built your own space, your own new house with a new basement, and now... In three years, you're going to be running two locations, one in your house and one in a building you're building from scratch. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> so that's crazy explosive growth. And I just want to touch on that because at the beginning of our conversation, you said, you know, I can't really afford to build a building. You couldn't afford to build a building, but right. now you can. Yeah. And you've essentially built two. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you think of it that way, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that's, you have, you're, I mean, you don't really have a mortgage because your gym's paying it, right? Like, right. that's your rent. That's crazy. How does that work out? I, I don't know the, the law out in Utah. Did you have to go through any specialty certification or anything like that to make your home also a business with clients coming in did you have challenges with like insurance or the city or anything like that um yes so i had to get like um some testing done like they obviously had to like as a business had to come make sure of fire safety and there's amount of exits and everything like that like the inspection and then i had to write up an action plan for how people are coming and going so they don't disturb the neighbors and just a bunch of like little things like that. Um, there's a few businesses out here that are ran out of their basements just because there's not very many actual buildings. Um, so I feel like the city was pretty easy to work with and understanding. Um, and I try to be a really good neighbor so our neighbors don't complain, but that is something that I've been worried about is with the traffic all the time that the neighbors would get frustrated and complain. So I think part of my job instead of like, like parking lot maintenance and stuff is like neighborhood maintenance, just like keeping on good terms with my neighbors. Yeah. That's, I mean, a good thing to do. So how far away from your current facility is your new facility going to be? 
Um, it's only about 10 minutes away, so not very far. Okay. Uh, and how are you going to, um, how are people going to know which facility to go to? Like, is one going to be for a certain style of class and the other for another? Or what, yeah. what's your plan with that? So um, right now, like, because the new building is going to be a lot bigger and I, I found a spring floor when COVID first hit for sale on Facebook and it was mm -hmm. like $7,000. It was like so cheap, brand new spring floor. Um, so I've had it sitting in my garage for like a year and a half and not had any space to use it. So we'll have like more equipment for harder skills at the new facility. Okay. Um, so when we move there, we're just going to move all of our intermediate and advanced classes to that location. And then all our beginning classes are going to stay at our home studio. That's and then we cool. also offer like um, aerial silks and stuff like, and we're going to be starting a dance program when we move. I was just silks. about to ask about the silks. <laughs> like I was literally about to be like, okay, so we talked about your, your tumbling classes, but you offer other stuff. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about your your silks program, how you got started, because my understanding from when we talked the last time, you didn't really have much experience in yeah. silks. <laughs> and so so go talk to us about silks and then we'll talk about starting your dance program. OK, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I've never I don't have experience doing silks. I've never even touched a silk until like two years ago. <laughs> um, but one of my students, she take came to take classes for me for a long time and now she's one of my coaches actually um she was in a school play and they had aerial silks in the play and she came to class one week and she was so excited to try these silks and she was like trying so hard to convince me to start teaching aerial silks and i just like laughed at her at first i'm like i've never even done silks like i am not qualified to teach this no way am i starting this whole new program um but then I got curious and so I ordered a silk for me and just like spent hours practicing and watching YouTube videos and teaching myself how to do silks until I felt confident enough. And then I started with just one class um, to see like if I knew how to teach people like because I feel like doing the skill and teaching is very different. Yeah. And I felt like pretty confident and there was like a lot of people interested in it. So since then, I've just been um, adding classes and it's one of our largest programs now. Really? So how yeah, many people do you have in silks? Um, the hard thing is um, with our basement, we only have a limited number of space. So we only have seven silks that we can hook up at a time. So our classes are capped out at seven. Um, but we have probably like 70 students who come are taking silks and they come just for that they don't do basic tumbling and things as well they just silk just silks yep yeah and there's a our wait list for every class is full and has like five ten people on it but we just don't have any availability to add new classes right now so wow that's insane <laughs> i mean there are crazy. There are gyms out there that would love to have 70 kids just doing rec tumbling, let alone <laughs> 70 kids doing silks alone. Like that's really, really cool. Thanks. What it, yeah. what special equipment do you need? I imagine 
the safety aspect of silks is the first thing that comes to mind for me, right? Like is people are going to be lifting themselves off the ground suspended by something. So I'm now adopting a lot of liability of if the whatever's holding the silk rips out of the ceiling or something. So did you have to like specially build things or how, how does that work? Yeah, I hired a special engineer when I built my house to install the silks for me. Um, Most people just make sure like the hookup is in a drywall or they use like certain bars and stuff. But I was really nervous about that just because I know obviously liability wise, I didn't want anything to happen. So I hired an engineer that like did a bunch of research and I'm not actually sure what he did or like all the details of what needed to happen. But what, how high are your silks off of the ground? Um, so my basement's only nine feet high, so they're nine feet off the ceiling, off the ground, I mean. Okay, so you don't need that much height to train aerial silks. Yeah, there's definitely, that's part of the reason why I am moving is because it's challenging once you start working more advanced skills to do things that are not that high. Um, just because the give of the silks, you can't open it up very much the higher you get. Hmm. So that definitely is one aspect that we've had challenges with. Um, but we just kind of make it work. You just find new tricks that you can do lower or um, things like that. So. And what is so I still think, you know, silks makes me nervous in terms of like, what if a kid falls and they're I mean, you see people doing some really crazy stuff hanging upside down in the splits and then rolling down the silk and stopping before they strike the the ground so like what do you have injuries related to silks practice and what are safety mechanisms someone should consider if they're going to think about adding a silks program yeah good question um in all my years of teaching i've never had any major injury in anything so that's so good um i've had people who've like fallen out of a silk but since they're not that high up it's like a three foot drop mm-hmm. which is still pretty big but they've never like no one's gotten hurt severely or like anything that they've had to leave class for or anything um okay. but i think definitely when you're starting silks most of our students who first started have never done silks most people i feel like don't really do silks so really starting off with the fundamentals i think helps um making sure like we go over like make how do you tie a knot how do you know that you're not secure how do you make sure that if you're following like what do you do we go over that every single class every single week regardless of how long they've been there um, oh, wow. just so it's like engraved in their head and if they if they know like the fundamentals i think it makes it a lot safer Hmm. That's so interesting. I have no background in silks. I know nothing about it aside from watching it in Cirque du Soleil and uh, things of that nature. So that's just crazy. And I'm shocked. I really am surprised at how big of a demand you have for it. That's just really, really impressive. It's um, the one challenge I feel like being the first kind of gym out here is that studio that got the location I applied for. Um, they see like that, what we're doing, which I should take it like as a compliment, but it's been challenging is they just barely announced a few weeks ago that they're adding a silk and, and also a bungee fitness program, which we have as well. And they're expanding to the next unit in their location. And 
they're going to be starting those. So I'm a little nervous with the move, like, Mm -hmm. because we want to be able to get new students, but if they're starting the same program, it gets me a little nervous, but I just have to like think like we've done this good so far and just have confidence in, in the loyalty of our customers and in the systems we've set up. So. Right. And focus on the same things that built your brand from the beginning. Um, what is your studio called? It's called Inspire Sports. Okay. Um, do you feel like the naming of it potentially helped you be more accessible to more people? Um, yeah, I think so. I We actually just rebranded and rechanged our name last year. Um, and so I think we were a lot well-known with our old name. And now that we've changed it, I think more people now know that we've changed our name. Um, but it took a while for people to realize that we were the same studio, but we've changed. What was your old name? It was Eminem tumbling. Okay. And what was the impetus for changing your name? I think I know, but our listeners might not. (laughs) So there's kind of a few reasons. I went through a divorce last year and Eminem stood for me and, um, Mark, who was my ex-husband. Um, and so I didn't really want to be like associated with that and have that reminder every day. Um, And then also it was tumbling and we do a lot more than tumbling now. So I wanted to change it to encompass all aspects of the things that we offer. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, I mean, a smart move. I think obviously there is a little bit of growing pain there, but like I said, I, I thought I knew and I, but I wanted everyone else to hear. So, cause naming does matter, right? If I, uh, uh, something that says sports, is kind of an all-encompassing feel versus something that says tumbling. I would think that I go there for tumbling. And like you said, you're starting dance. So why would I think that tumbling also offers dance, right? Right, yeah. And we faced that a lot when I had Eminem tumbling um, before we added like silks and bungee and everything. Um, we did parkour and we still offer parkour, but I felt like a lot of people didn't even reach out to us or know that we offered that just because our name. So, um, do you have any advice for people who are getting ready to start, uh, their own studio or gym or current owners who may be struggling to really branch into that recreational side? Like any, any advice, tips, tricks, things that you've used to have this explosive and crazy growth that you've had? Um, I don't know. I don't, that's hard. I feel like still like, I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm just like trying my best. Um, But there's so many things that I still, I could be doing and I want to implement and things. But I think probably the biggest thing is not, don't give up. Like, I feel like time and time there's been challenges that I've had to face if it's because of my studio or personal things or whatever it is. Um, And running a business is hard. And I feel like people don't see that when they look at, a gymnastic studio or a tumbling studio or cheer or whatever it is you do, they see that you teach classes and that's it. They don't see all of the back end stuff that you put into it and all of the hard work and tears and everything that goes into it. So probably the most advice I can give you is just not to give up. Like just keep knowing that what you're doing is enough and keep pushing through. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't say it better. I think one of the other things that you excel at is, is taking action. And even if it's not perfect, and even if you don't quite know exactly how to do it, 
you seek out the information and you just keep going until you accomplish it. Um, like that, like what you did with silks. Hey, there's a demand for this. I don't know anything about it. I'm going to go on YouTube and figure it out. Like that's such a, such a great quality to have as a business owner because you don't know all the answers ever. And if you think you do, you probably need to sell your business because things are going to start to go badly. Um, yeah, well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time. I hope everyone listening uh, got something out of this and was as inspired by your story as I always am every time I hear it. Um, I really, really appreciate your time today. So thank you. And yeah, thank you, Dan. This has been awesome. And I appreciate all of that you guys do for me and the growth of my studio as well. Well, you're very welcome. It's been our honor to be a part of it. So uh, with that, everyone, thank you for listening and we will catch you next time.